0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an ostracizing episode of the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. And here's your host, Alan Mosley.
1: Why? Why are we ostracizing? We're ostracizing ourselves. We're, our, our niche audience is already only like 0.3 percent of the population. That's right. Then we should just all get together. And so have a we're party. ostracized. We're ostracized. Saying. Yes. Right. So we're not ostracized. We're we're being ostracized. Yes. So this is an ostracized episode. Ostracized episode. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, okay, it's ostracized,
1: fine. I mean, look, I've done some ostracizing in my day, but I'm just saying, I don't know. You are ostracized. Yeah, I've been ostracized, (laughs) yeah. And really, that's the way we like it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That means we have a small little special club, and that's mm -hmm. all that matters.
1: Sure. Welcome to the special club. Sure, why not? <laughs> whatever whatever you gotta say to go to sleep at night. That's fine. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Gold Standard. I am your host, Alan Mosley. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so at Facebook dot com slash TGS Alan Mosley's right there. Look, mm-hmm. yeah, it is right on the there. screen. Check it out. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Alan Mosley, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. You can just go to our website, which is thegoldstandardpodcast.com. dot com. That's right. Oh. What? I need to pull up our website, you know pull why? Pull up website, why? Hold on, let me pull it up first. Pull it up. Because I actually updated it.
0: You updated it. I well, actually updated it,
1: because last week I think I might have <laughs> mentioned our website, and, and then I pulled it up and it was really old. <laughs> so, so look at that, check this out. So there is, so when you look at our there website, it, you okay. actually see the most recent wow. episode of the gold standard job, on the man. website. So there's the episode we had with Lou, which he was looking really good, yeah, look at that. Yeah. That's really good feed yeah. right there. And also, mm-hmm. not only is it a most updated uh, episode, I also have my most recent article published in the article yeah, section. Yeah,
0: congratulations, man. It's a great article.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, I had actually thanked Lou Rockwell for having my last article on LRC, yeah. on lourockwell.com. Yeah. Because of that, it got picked up by Zero Hedge, a bunch of other nice. places. It really awesome. Is, and that's he great. said, you know what? Send me some more. Okay. And so I did. And wouldn't you know, look at that. Yeah, look at that. Lourockwell.com: The Real Tragedy of the Tragic War Hero. Awesome. By Alan Mosley. We'll talk about that another day. Yes. That, that is a good one. But there you have it. So yes. I'm, I'm a man of my word and so you is are. he. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have really cool show today. We're, we are we're, we're working out some new tech. Yep using some new using software some new toys. that's right using yep. a new yep. little microphone thing
0: yeah you got yourself a little yeah. light, little microphone on your tie there well, so now
1: so look, look so now,
0: <laughs> now because yeah. before
1: before I, I had to talk into the microphone that's right and when I would like nod off I mean, in that episode and
0: be like, I'm gone I'm way over here yeah yeah yeah, exactly and, distance, and, yeah, and so yeah. now now
1: I can just
0: uh, you can lean back uh, and,
1: and yeah well don't go too
0: far because now you're just now you're just looking like but you, you can still hear me yeah
1: Clearly. You can still hear me clearly. That's the well. That's it because you know you gotta get comfortable. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you yeah. gotta, you know, settle in for some gold standard. Yeah, you
0: know, it's, it's it's like when you watch those uh, those late night shows. You know, mm-hmm. the microphone that's on the desk right there and mm-hmm. all that. You know, those are most of the time they're just not even plugged up. Yeah. So I've got an issue. See, I, I've got to make sure that it's plugged up. Now it's yeah. working and I can turn it on right here. But mm-hmm. you're never gonna see me put that mic on there without it being. Oh, click it, click it. Oh, look at that. You hear that? Yeah, yeah. that's right. See, it does work. No, yeah, no cheating. Is no cheating. Okay. They don't plug theirs in, and they think I don't catch that.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. So we had a pretty tame meme of the week last week. Yeah, we did. Because I wanted to have something that wasn't too uncouth mm-hmm. right. for Lou Rockwell to be on yeah. the show. I, yeah. You know, look, I, I like as spicy of a meme as I can get. If you're going to have a meme, it should be spicy. That's right. But out of respect for a distinguished guest, I wouldn't have on something really crass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But not this week. Because yeah. <laughs> this week we have on Mike Meharry. he That's doesn't right. care. So we're so this right here is a spicy meme, my friends. All right. When your dad's a magician and disappears for three years, then reappears as a flag. Oh, wrong button. Yeah, there's Blake.
2: There there's it me. is. <laughs>
1: And it' just says dope, oh. now, so for people who are not watching at home, they're just listening to the podcast yeah, It's a picture It's happening. the picture of the soldier handing the folded flag to the crying little boy because I guess his dad died or whatever I mean, yeah. or his mom could be his mom, moms can die it's like too, in to shape yep. yeah, um, that's a pretty spicy meme, yeah, I'm not going to lie. no, that's intense. and it's ironic that that is our meme of the week today, because did you know that today is the sixteenth anniversary of the invasion of Iraq? Really, yeah, wow. 16 years That's crazy. ago today, and we're still there.
0: Gosh, life's short. <laughs> Life,
1: <no. laughs> life's really short if you're an innocent Iraqi underneath a drone right. strike. That's Venice right. Really it's short. really short. Uh, wow, this got dark all the yeah, time. It's dark. <laughs> it dark all the
0: time. How many every time you're talking with me, it just gets dark? I, I don't dark. know.
1: Well, Let's, let's move on. Let's move, let's move on. I actually have a way funnier picture. Check this out. Check this okay, out right lighten here. Lighten the mood. This, is, this has oh, nothing to do with politics Lord. at all. It's just a thing. So, a picture on the left is a dude with a snake. And the oh picture on the right is that's that's the same guy. Wow. Because this is Florida <laughs> man. Everybody loves Florida man. So the headline, the headline that accompanied this picture was Florida man tries to kiss cottonmouth snake, hospitalized after bite. Really? <laughs> This is just a reminder. If people, people who are listening right now are like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I, I, the only reason I'm showing this right now is that I just want to remind you that these people vote.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. How old is this guy, by the way? Who cares? <laughs> is he 16? 16. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, no, he, he looks like he's probably like 22, 24, something Man, like that. Tell. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming is, as opposed to was. I think he's still alive. <laughs> I hope uh, so. Even though his head's the size of a watermelon. Yeah,
0: judging by the look of that picture, he didn't do so well. But, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's, when I think of democracy, I think of this picture. Uh, I just, you know. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So I think that's good enough for so an don't intro. What snakes. do you think?
0: I think it's. Crazy, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, well, we have
1: we have to get to the interview segment because yeah, sure we, we have Mike Maharry coming back That's on, right. and he's our guinea pig since we're we're trying out new tech and, new tech. and you never know. You it's might more have than some just technical the technical difficulties. Though,
0: by the way. I mean, we're we're yeah, working on going uh, we, live with all, this People bad
1: don't boy. see there's a bunch of oh, stuff yeah. going on over here. A lot here. of stuff over here. And so, since there's a chance. That all of this disappears into the ether yeah. of the internet, sure. or whatever. It could. Then we invited Mike Maher because yeah. we figured <laughs> we're going to lose an episode, then we'll just lose one with him. I don't mean that. Mike's no, awesome. No, Mike's awesome. Some of our greatest episodes have Mike in them. That's him. right. Um, I'm just saying you, that, are saying. you know, I wouldn't. We would not have tested all this stuff out with like Lou. Yeah. You know, that,
0: that definitely would have made things mm-hmm. just.
1: Tank, I was about to say we wouldn't test stuff out like this with someone like Tom Woods, but really it was him having all the issues. That he was on <laughs> oh, yeah, I starting with that. his office and locked yeah. door doing everything else. That wasn't our fault. That was his fault.
0: I just hope Still people. The only reason I
1: say that is because we have the best producer ever. No, you don't. It, no, we do. <laughs> to be fair, most people don't have a producer at all. They're just in their closet at home or in their garage doing this on, out of a can with a string. So. Out of all the three producers of libertarian podcasts, I, I definitely think you're in the top two. No all doubt. three of them,
0: huh? Yeah, oh, no doubt. Thank
1: you. And so, well, the reason I the reason <laughs> I mention that is is that so if you're ever watching or listening to the show mm-hmm. and you ever maybe like you hear some echo or there's a there's a video delay if yeah. you're watching on YouTube, uh-huh. that's not our fault. No, that's almost always the other person's fault. Yep. I don't say that when they're here out of respect. We blame them them for
0: all technical problems.
1: Like I would never Just like a good
0: producer would. Yeah.
1: That's totally so in the hierarchy of whose fault it is, it's it's the guests' fault, or it's just it's just the internet's fault. It's just nature. It's just the internet. The internet did this. It's It's the feds. The feds did it first, then it's the internet, then it's the guests' fault. Yeah. Then then it's my fault. Then it's your Well, yeah. then it's your fault, then it's my fault. Unless it's you, then it's, it's my fault, your fault, then it's your no, fault. It's never your fault. Well, I mean, if you're sticking up for yourself, you would blame me first before yourself. But, you know, but, I'm a
0: righteous kind of guy. I don't blame other people I'm for my righteous. mistakes.
1: Righteous. Righteous. <laughs> you know what? That, Self-righteous. No, we're maybe. done. We're, we're done with the segment <laughs> yeah. on that. We will be right back after this break with Mike Meharry.
2: Have you ever been talking politics with a friend and told, if
0: you don't like it here, you should just move to Somalia?
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, from the sandy beaches of Mogadishu, Sherry and I bring you Postcards from Somalia, one of the newer products of Little Elm Productions, where we take on all of the fallacies of the people who say, if you don't like it, you can just get out. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. Email us at tgsalanmosley at gmail.com. Guys, welcome back to the show. We have for a guest today, someone who's making his fifth or sixth? Sixth? Fifth. 56th appearance on the gold standard in only like 53 episodes he is the national communications director of the 10th amendment center he is also my co-host on sports ball with mike and Allen. which really that's how i'm going to start announcing you by the way for for now on because that's really your main claim to fame the co-host of sports ball with mike and Allen, mike meharry mike welcome back to the show
2: yeah, without me, there would be no Florida sports talk on Sports Ball. I'm, I told you it's it's going to be it's going to be
1: 10, 10 seconds of Tampa sports talk with 10th or Mike Meharry sponsored by the Tenth Amendment Center.
2: That's going to be. I awesome. don't know how
1: much they're going to pay us to sponsor that. Probably zero dollars and zero. You know what? They should have to pay us ten. They should 10. have to pay us ten. Yeah, ten, 10. seconds. 10, 10 <laughs> cents for ten seconds of Tenth Amendment Tampa talk.
2: I'll get on that
1: with uh, Bolden to get that set up. He's not going to listen because he still hasn't sent us a commercial for this show.
2: Well, he'll get around to it. I'm sure it's on his list.
1: I bet it is. So, Mike, one of the things we wanted to talk about today, you had a little back and forth with a uh, chairman of a party that shall not be named on one of your social media accounts, and it was in regards to... Uh, normalization versus legalization, and and really not to beat around the bush about it, it was specifically talking about sex work, about prostitution.
2: Yeah, it was really kind of a dumb conversation, if you ask me. I mean, my position on that is you should not lock somebody in a cage for engaging in consensual activity, and I I think that that's, that's the libertarian standard, right? Yeah, sure. But according to certain chair people of certain political parties it's not good enough just to support not criminalizing something we need to normalize it mm-hmm. and so what does that mean i mean what what's the definition of normalize well he gave us the definition of normalize his definition was we want it to be just like getting a cup of coffee now my daughter worked as a barista Mm-hmm. I don't really want her to work at a brothel. I don't want that to be normal. I don't understand how that suddenly became controversial or a non-libertarian position.
1: Now, I'm 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 going to play devil's advocate the best I can. So if I if I pretend to be a complete retard, <laughs> then I'll I'll sound like the chairman of the LP. So the argument I think is is that normalization leads to legalization. So it's it's a it's a it's a strategy I guess is that well if we really emphasize normalizing it then that's going to create the groundswell that that pushes towards legalizing something. Like I mean does if am I summing up that argument at least at least legitimately halfway decently
2: yeah, I think that, and that's essentially what I think he was getting at. I mean, it was really mm-hmm. hard to to get at what he was getting at because he was kind of talking out both sides of his mouth. On yeah. the one hand, he was saying that well, it shouldn't be a problem if you don't think it's okay, but on the other hand, it's supposed to be normal. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, I never really understood what he was saying, but he did mention that as a strategy that that if it's normalized, it's equal easier to equalize. I would say the other. Just flip that statement, and it's equally as valid. If you legalize something, it's probably going to become more normalized. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually what we've seen with marijuana legalization. When uh, California legalized medical marijuana in 1996, it certainly wasn't normalized. And and marijuana is much more normalized now than it was then. Uh, Not that I'm really comparing marijuana and sex work. I think they're two different things. But I'm willing to take the risk that if we legalize prostitution – it would become more normalized but i'm not going to take the position that i want it to be like getting a cup of coffee because i'm never going to accept that as a as a moral position i'm never going to think it's good for society for everybody to be running mm-hmm. off to the brothel that's just me
1: <laughs> well let me, because we have a lot to talk about today, and I want—I don't want to get too hung up on this, because this—this is a topic that's been hashed out already. But tell me if this makes sense to you: is that it, it seems to me that they're—it's—it's it's purely st- strategic on his part or on the party's part, right? Is that they're—they're they're trying to signal to potential supporters, donors, voters that. We we want this normalized. So if that's something that you support, then join us. But the problem with that strategy is is that you're now alienating people who are actual libertarians who actually believe in that people shouldn't be locked in cages for voluntary activity, but that they don't support something like that being socially normalized. So you're you know you're what what is that? You're you're cutting off the nose despite the face.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I think folks like uh, – folks who support this normalization position, I think they're saying that because they really want it to be normalized. Mm-hmm. I mean I think that's what they want. They they don't like the fact that sex work is something that is looked down upon or that there's ostrification. Is that the right word, ostrification? That, that people are ostracized, that there is a moral uh, – that, that people would look down their noses morally at people involved in sex work. They don't want that to be the case. And I think really in their heart of hearts, they believe to be a good libertarian, you have to accept all kinds of, of what I would consider debauchery and and uh, uh, deviant behavior. And again, I think, it's, I, I think you can make a clear distinction that I'm not going to interfere with another person's deviant behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But that doesn't mean I have to – to cheer them on and validate them for doing it. And I really think what these folks want is validation. They want me to accept what they do, to cheer what they do, and to honor what they do. Uh, It's not good enough just to say, you be you, I'm gonna be over here and be me. And we see this in other issues. Like, I believe it's perfectly fine for you to discriminate against me. And I think there's a lot of people would say, well, that's not libertarian. If If you're gonna allow discrimination, then you're not a libertarian. I don't care. <laughs> if, if you don't want me in your presence, then that's your right, and I will honor your right. I don't want to force myself into some place I don't belong anyway. Um, but I think there's a conflation that goes on uh, with the idea of basically live and let live, the non-aggression principle in its purest form, and then all of these other social uh, causes that people want to hang on it. Yeah.
1: Well, that's so that's what it always comes back around to. Right. Like to close to close this part of the show is that it always comes back around to arguing over who is and isn't a real libertarian. And goodness knows I had my inbox filled with with racial slurs towards (laughs) my girlfriend because I attacked some people for not being real libertarians. But here's the thing is the difference between me attacking those people for not being real and them is is they're trying to prescribe like cultural Marxism to it. Like they're trying to bring in a lot of leftist cultural philosophy and say this is libertarian. But libertarian doesn't have, there's no dog in the fight. To me, libertarian is you believe in non-aggression and you believe in voluntary exchange. Like that's, I mean I mean we can get deeper in the weeds, but that's that's pretty much it. But I will say this if you have anything if you have a caveat to what I just said, like if you have a but on the other hand, you're not a libertarian. Like I I'm willing to draw the line in the sand. Like if you don't believe that libertarianism represents non aggression and voluntary exchange, and that's ninety nine percent of it, you're not a
2: libertarian. I Yeah. And and if Well and this is here, here's what I said. I think I said this in the thread. If if it is incumbent upon me to say that I believe that sex work should be just like getting a cup of coffee if that is what it means to be a libertarian then fine i 'll just be something else yeah I, I don't i don't need to wear that label yeah. uh, you know i'm a person that believes in non aggression voluntary association, and private property those those are the tenets and in, in uh, all this other stuff that you want to hang on i don't I don't want to hang a right wing or a left wing agenda. On it any any farther than those things take it, and you know it's that whole thick and thin thing, and, and uh, I think it's kind of dumb. For I mean, you know, well, whatever. That's that's the way they want to. That's the way they want to roll. I guess that's how they're going to roll. But I'm not rolling with them.
1: Well, you know, like I said, I, I kind of prescribe their whole agenda to its its political strategy. And I think their political strategy is terrible and, and it's really a non-starter because to me libertarianism is not a political thing. It's a philosophical thing. Right. And so since they're trying to be a political party and not a party that promotes you know, a philosophical position. It's just doomed to fail from the get-go. But but while we're on the topic of political strategy, uh, something that you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about today is transitioning to um, practical politics and pragmatism and trying to draw the line between uh, people that would say, well, you're just sacrificing principles. thats That's awful, so I reject all of this, versus looking at it from the perspective of, if I can get something done politically and it, and it moves us 1% closer to a free society and you resist that, then you are actively resisting us moving towards a free society.
2: Yeah, and the reason this has come up is, of course, we're in the middle of what we call nullification season at the 10th Amendment Center. That's our state legislative sessions. And, of course, we're tracking all kinds of bills uh, that do various things to push back against federal overreach. And one of the big issues that we're involved in is marijuana legalization. And every year we get these purists that will say, Well, I'm not supporting any kind of legalization. I'm only gonna support complete decriminalization. Marijuana should just be out there, it should be available and not taxed and Absolutely, I agree with that position. But it's not a politically tenable position. No legislature is going to pass a bill that just lets people have marijuana and doesn't tax it. For God's sake, they tax everything. Yeah. You know, They tax potatoes. So I don't know why you expect they're going to take something that has been considered a controlled substance for, for you know decades. And then all of a sudden it's just not going to be taxed or regulated in any way, shape, or form. But you get these people and they actively – Oppose things like medical marijuana bills and to me this is just a dumb political strategy I get that there's a lot of of libertarians who will just say you shouldn't be involved in the political process at all I get that that's that's cool I -hmm. understand that position and I respect that but if you're going to be involved in the political system then you have to have good strategy if you have sucky strategy you're going to suck and unfortunately we've got a lot of sucky strategy out there and people have to understand that if you're going to engage in the political system, then you've got to understand the way the political system works. And basically it works on incrementalism. And if you look at what has happened in terms of an erosion of, uh, of individual liberty and an erosion of state power and a, and a more centralized government, that's happened little by little over the last 100 and 150 years. Mm -hmm. You never hear leftists say Well, we're not going to accept This uh, new social program Because it doesn't go far enough No, they do stupid crap like Obamacare Because they recognize that it's a step towards Where they want to go And if we're ever going to get back If we're going to roll back government power Then you've got to be able to take the same same thing So with the marijuana thing uh, I'll give you a good example Uh, Utah legalized marijuana for medical use uh, Just last year Mm -hmm. Now, if you had told me Three years ago, that Utah would ever have medical marijuana and would be like, no, <laughs> not gonna happen. But Connor Boyack, uh, mm-hmm. libertarian activist, a lot of people know Connor from the Tuttle Twin Books. Uh, mm-hmm. He has an organization out in Utah called the Libertas Institute, was very instrumental in getting this medical marijuana bill through the legislative process. Now, along the way he made some compromises. He worked with the Mormon Church. He worked with opponents. Uh, he sacrificed some things that would have been good in the bill in order to get something passed. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people will say, "Oh, well, Connor's just a sellout. You know, he sold us out." He's a, he's one of the, one of those uh, sellout, you know, no good status. <laughs> Here's the question you have to ask yourself, The reality is that now people in Utah have access to medicines that they were probably using anyway. Now they don't have to worry about being locked in a cage. Is that better or worse than the status quo that we had before? It seems like some of these activists would say, well, it's worse because of reasons. And and that's, again, stupid strategy. And I almost can guarantee you what will happen is that in the next four to five years, that medical marijuana program is going to expand in Utah because we've seen it happen over and over again in other states. Mm-hmm. Just just uh, this last week, the Florida governor signed a bill into law that now allows smoking in their medical marijuana program. Initially, smoking wasn't allowed. People wanted smoking. They threw a fit. Uh, it goes to the legislature a couple of years later, and boom, now we've got smoking. So People might have opposed it a couple of years ago and say, well, no, we're not going to be for this if it doesn't allow smoking. But they got the foot in the door. And it's like mm-hmm. that old, you know, if, if anybody who's ever learned sales, there's the whole foot in the door technique. It goes back to the old door to door salesman days. And it was, the idea was you stick your foot, if they open the door just a little bit, you stick your foot in there, they can't close the door. <laughs> then you can push it open further. So at the 10th Amendment Center, we definitely take a foot in the door approach to this kind of strategy. And, and I put it this way in a podcast that I did recently. You can have a loaf of bread. We'd love to have a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread is great. But if you're really, really hungry, are you going to say, no, I'm not going to have a slice of bread because, damn it, I want a loaf? Yeah. <laughs> and That's the way people are. People are like, I'm a loaf person. I will not take a slice. Well, that's retarded and bad sucky strategy. And so I, I think that, uh, again – you have to you have to hold a balance right mm. because I think it is important to hold the principle, sure you, know? and it's interesting i I used this analogy again in this podcast that I did Thomas Jefferson,'m wearing my Thomas Jefferson shirt on mm-hmm. stage as, as some people will say. <laughs> uh, But when they, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, they did the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions in 1798 in opposition to the Alien and Sedition Acts. And they laid out these principles of nullification, this idea that the state had the authority and the power to resist unconstitutional federal acts. When the Kentucky Resolutions passed the Kentucky legislature, Jefferson took a copy of it and he sent it to James Madison and paraphrasing he said i think we need to hold firmly to all of the principles that are in these resolutions but then we need to push things as far as expedience will allow Mm -hmm. and he basically said let's not take things all the way to the limit right off the bat but let's use good strategy and we'll push things as far as expedient." so look at the situation look at the political climate look at uh you know the dynamics in the legislature you're working and push as hard as you can while holding firmly to those principles and Murray Rothbard said a similar thing Murray said that that you should always look and if it is advancing the ball closer to liberty then you should support that movement even if it doesn't push it all the way to the limit now if it's something that's going to uh, to actually make less liberty uh, then obviously you're not going to support that but uh, Libertarians need to do a better job. If they're going to be involved in the political uh, process, then we need to have good strategy and, and not sucky strategy because sucky strategy sucks. Well, something that I've
1: said before on the program is you know, for, for the people out there who have, like, so first of all, I agree, like, look, I'm, I'm not particularly involved in the political process. I know you're shocked to hear that. Uh, And so, and so I I, right, I respect that position, but for the people who are going to be involved in the political process, it seems to me in the same, kind of tying this into our first segment, for the same people who think that there should be a brothel on every corner next to McDonald's, all that tells me is those people almost certainly don't have daughters. Yeah. And almost certainly would not be happy if their daughter came home and said, dad, I'm going to be a hooker. Uh, and in the same way, the same people who say, no, I'm going to stick to principle 100% of the time, which, which we are, but we're, we're applying that principle too, we're moving that direction. But if you're going to take the position of, I'm going to resist all legislation that's not 100% in line with exactly what I want today, all that tells me is those people are not parents in Utah with a child that has chronic seizures who needs that medication. That's what that tells me. And the fact that you can say that to those people, like you're just as big of a monster as the state as who opposes it outright. Like, how can you do that? How can, uh, you know, I used to say, like I used to think that mental exercise of how can you be a politician and be against this plant that could potentially help this kid? How can you be that way? And now, but now I find I have to ask the same question to the libertarian who opposes the legislation because it doesn't go far enough.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think it's important to remember that ultimately, once you get the foot in the door, I mean, I, I can I could go state by state by state and show you where you get these limited programs. And mm. within two years, they're expanding the programs. It, and uh, that never happens if you don't get the first step. I mean, you don't take the second step without the first step.
1: Weren't, weren't you saying that you had a really good example out of Florida recently?
2: Yeah, I use that. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why. That's, that's, <laughs> that's we can we can smoke weed. We can smoke weed for medicinal use in Florida now. Yeah, well, that, in ninety that, days will be
1: able. To. That's what I thought. But what I'm what I'm getting at is is that because I remember I remember a Florida because didn't Florida originally maybe in the last election cycle that was on the ballot and it got voted down or was that recreational?
2: Uh the first time that medical was on the ballot, I know it got voted down, and I okay. think recreational might have got it voted down in the last election.
1: Okay, that's um, that, that's what I that's what I think I was remembering, but now but medical is back on, back medical, in it, and it passed.
2: Medical passed in in the last election in in the 2018 cycle, or so, 2017 maybe. Anyway, so I medical guess, passed.
1: I guess the interesting thing about that is is that. What, what you can't do, tying this back into our first segment, is you can't on one hand say, I'm for normalization because since it'll be more normal and more people are doing it, it makes legalization easier. You can't then turn around and say, I'm against this legislation that gets partially what I want. Because isn't that, isn't that moving to normalize it? Like, if you get the medical marijuana passed and then, and then culturally it becomes more accepted, then it's more likely that recreationally it'll pass in the next term. I, I just, it just seems so weird to me that people, so many people are, are, are stepping over themselves uh, out, of, out of principle, you know, that, that, that P word. But they're really hurting their own, their own legislative efforts. Um, but but leaving all that aside, there's, there's one thing I, I want to move on to really quick before we, we hit the last topic, is today, and this wasn't necessarily planned. It just kind of works out that way because we film on Wednesdays. Today is the 16th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. And I actually took exception when I saw that headline on Twitter because I thought, wait, which one? You mean yeah. the most recent invasion of Iraq is, yeah, what, you're, Iraq. is what you're talking about. I think about.
2: when I posted, it on, uh, I posted it on my Godarchy page, I said Iraq War II. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So um, I actually had had this comment uh, before the show with Blake, is that I know I've seen this meme as it, re- as it relates to Afghanistan, um, is that uh, Blake's youngest is two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If his youngest had been two when we invaded Iraq, he could enlist to go to Iraq today. And, and be in the same military conflict. Does that not just blow your mind?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll put that into, into even more personal perspective. My son is 19, so he yeah. was three when, wow. uh, when that invasion happened. And now he is eligible to go. And I think people forget that there are still uh, ongoing military action in Iraq. I mean, it's not over. They're still yeah. there. Um, yeah. You know, it's more on a support role. But uh, and, and, you know, you look back at that and and I I come from from I was all for it. I remember sitting I was working for um, I was working for Delta Airlines at the time I was working at the airport in Louisville, Kentucky, and I remember sitting in a chair. I was working an overnight shift and I was reading a book that laid out the case for why we should invade Iraq. You know, Saddam has got nuclear weapons and it was all of the neocon talking points and you know, you look back 16 years later and it was all bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and look at how many, how many lives were lost, uh, not just American lives, but, but Iraqi lives, uh, women and children. And you look at how much money was spent. And you look at the situation on the ground in Iraq. It's arguably no better than it was 16 years ago. What the hell do we do this for? Mm hmm. You know and and it's amazing to me that the same people who talked us into that war are out there today trying to talk us into Syria or talk us into invading Venezuela or whatever military adventurism you know Iran we're going to fix iran we're going to get a regime change in Iran. It's like these people are 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 oblivious to the carnage that they leave in their wake yeah
1: well it's it it definitely reminds me something i I know I've heard a lot is that one of the key differences between Vietnam war coverage and war coverage today is that you used to see much more of the gruesome aftermath of what war brings. Whereas Mm -hmm. today... You know, I, I I always use the analogy of you know it's it's night vision camera. You see the little streaks of light in the air, and you know maybe you see a blown out building or two, but that I mean that's it. You don't you don't really experience the carnage of it. It's not being brought to American homes night and day, so that people are very very cognitively aware. Of what it's about. And then also too, of course, you know, we're able to just continue printing money and finance our debt. And so people haven't really felt the pinch, right? Like it's, it's hard for the average person who, I mean, let's, let's face it, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care about Iraqi children. They don't care about lives lost. As long as it doesn't affect their pocketbook and their personal way of life, they don't care. And in some ways it's a shame that they haven't felt the pinch, because if they had, they they would be much more likely to all of a sudden be hard anti-war, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, I think there's two big differences. I think you're right on the on the coverage, and that's mm-hmm. certainly intentional. I took a class when I was at USF. In journalism school, called uh, it was it was uh, media coverage of war, yeah. and it really compared and contrasted. Uh, uh, at the time, this was of course Iraq was still going on. I was there in two thousand six, two thousand seven, and uh, you know there was the whole uh, embedded journalists and whatnot. It was all. That the military learned its lessons from Vietnam, and they were like, we are never going to allow journalists to have free reign on the battlefield again. We are going to absolutely control all the information that's that's coming in and going out, and, and they've effectively done that. I think there's two other issues. You, you mentioned the money. Uh, I, I read that if you calculate the amount of money that's been spent on the war on terror – so this would be Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria – it basically comes down to – Seven thousand dollars for per year for every person in the United States. Holy cow! Jeez. So imagine if you had had to sit down every year and write out that seven thousand dollar check. Yeah, you know, I think that would, like you said, people would care. And then I think the third thing is the fact that we don't have a draft anymore. And I'm certainly not advocating for the draft, but mm-hmm. that made. War much more personal when, you know, you could easily be people like my son, you know, the I I was talking to a guy that that actually went through that experience of having, you know, they had the draft lottery and they literally sat in front of the TV and they had a number. And if your number was called, you knew you were going. Yeah. And uh, and and. I talked to this guy about what that was like and just the, the knots in your stomach and, and what's going to happen. His number got called, you know, and then the next thing you know, he's he's training to go to a war that he cares nothing about being in. You know, it it, it, it wasn't that great patriotism. It was like, oh, we're going to send me out to this jungle to die. Yeah. And, uh, it's you know, you know, that was the impetus of the anti-war movement. I was reading this uh, – I'm reading a book, uh, and uh, there was a uh, Catholic – uh, monk, and he was heavily involved in the anti-war movement. I wish I could remember his name, but he got arrested because he made napalm, homemade napalm, and burned like 300 draft cards in an empty parking lot, which wow. I thought was pretty cool—napalm the napalm the draft cards. But you know what they charged him with? He went to prison. They charged him with destroying government property oh, for God. burning the draft cards. Yeah, but yeah, so there was much more personal uh, in in both. You had a personal investment because you or your kid could go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that – I don't know that anybody's ever actually seen the direct monetary cost. But if we had to write that $7,000 check every year, I guarantee people would be a little bit more upset about it. I
1: I feel like there's a theme that's kind of emerged in our conversation today that wasn't necessarily intentional, but there it is. is that whether it's it's your daughter going to the brothel, whether it's um – denying the cbd to the kid with seizures or whether it's uh the the difference in patriotism levels from the random normie who has nothing to do with the war versus the kid holding the draft card there's a big difference in how they feel about that number being called it's it's all of these things feel like it seems like the theme is having skin in the game right yeah. Is that people that have skin in the game have a way different perspective over what's patriotic and what should be normalized and the people who don't
2: yeah, I made this this argument about taxes just in general. Your perspective changes a lot when you become self-employed. And you actually have to write a check to the IRS every yep. quarter. You know, that's a whole different ball game than oh money disappears out of my check every week and then at the end of the year I get six thousand dollars back and sure. I feel like the government's giving me this great favor. I think the smartest thing that the government ever did was create withholding. Mm-hmm. Uh Again, I, I I imagine that if everybody had to write those checks, you'd have tax revolt. Oh, yeah. uh, but as yeah. it is, most people think the government's giving them money every year. Y'all, you know, oh, I got six thousand dollars back. I'm going to Tahiti. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I'll, I'll even do you one better. I, when I owned the the printing company here in town, I didn't do quarterly. I just paid one lump sum check well, a that, year, I'm, I'm and I'm doing that, was, that too. Oh my God. <laughs> you you definitely and of course I was I was a young single guy, no kids, which means no no big earned income tax credits and things mm-hmm. like that. So it was just work all year, working 60, 70 hours a week just to keep the lights on, because that's how it is a lot of times when you open up a new business. And I, I, I didn't I didn't get a cool one mil from my uncle to start my business like some presidents do. Right. Um, and so and so, all of a sudden you find yourself come April having, you know, you're alive, you, you're, you're in business, and it's tough to open a business and start from nothing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the IRS says, well, I hope you, I hope you put back about 40% because we're going to need about a $20,000 check. And you say, from where? Right. <laughs> where does that money come from? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the only taxes I paid during the years was was, was sales tax. And really, right. it's, it's funny, I remember having a CPA tell us on day one, just somebody who's kind of helped help advise in getting your business, is they tell you, Alan, this is what you do. If you're having a hard time making ends meet, just don't pay your income taxes until it comes time. And uh, then you put it off, put it off, ask for extension, ask for extension. However, you never fail to pay your state sales tax because Tennessee will show up literally the next day and put a padlock on your door. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you haven't had a padlock, and no one showed up at your house and put a padlock on your. No, front but door I don't yet. sell
2: any. I don't sell anything. So.
1: No, you, you you sell your wisdom, Mike. That's what you do.
2: Well, yeah. Nobody's buying. That's well, the, that's the problem. Speaking of that, that's what I want to
1: finish with today. So you made a trek from your home in Kentucky up to Ohio recently, to to talk to was it the state house?
2: It was state house committee on federalism. Uh, first of all, why does that exist?
1: Like, I mean, of course, once again, in our perfect utopia, our lords that we've elected to rule over us, they would understand the concepts of federalism and they would know how to do their jobs and they would have <laughs> read all the studies before they vote on the bills and all those things. But, of course, in the real world, they need a council on federalism. So you went up there to talk to them about, about nullification, about the Tenth Amendment?
2: I did. And the first thing I have to note is that driving through Ohio is not a Very good object case study for my roads Ooh. you know I've been told that I'm paying for these great roads, and, and by the time I got to Columbus, I felt like my I needed to go to the chiropractor because it was this the whole way. <laughs> so, so if you, if you want a, uh, want a case study and why the government maybe should not be in charge of the roads, just drive through Ohio. But yeah I got to go up there uh, representative John Becker who's a, uh, a state rep from the Cincinnati area um, invited me he's the chair of the committee and, and invited me to come up and and it was supposed to be a debate uh, the the minority uh, senior minority person on the committee was uh, was supposed to bring somebody in and I guess they couldn't find anybody who wanted to uh, debate the Tenth Amendment because or they were all afraid of my sterling reputation but so basically, it was just me giving a 25-minute presentation on nullification, the anti-commandeering doctrine, and um, uh, why the Tenth Amendment even exists and why it's important. And uh, I, I think the most interesting part of it actually was the uh, question and answer. We spent—I mm-hmm. I gave a 25-minute presentation and then I spent 35 minutes answering questions. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I got the—I I got the typical. Well, what about the civil rights movement? And so I got to talk a little bit about how I believe that we would have uh, had the civil rights movement with or without the help of the federal government. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that the government uh, itself actually was necessary to create Jim Crow yes. laws. You know, It wasn't federal government. It was state government, so I got to explain that and – uh, and then I had another guy who who was pretending to be some kind of expert on the Constitution, and he was one of those guys that you, you could tell knew remember just enough from his history courses in college to be dangerous. But mm-hmm. then when he called James Wilson an anti federalist i 'm like this guy didn 't know nearly as much as he thinks, but he tried to trap me, so that was fun um, and I, I saw that coming from a mile away so but yeah it was a, it was really good it was, it was a good good experience. Uh, There's actually a recording the whole thing. I I recorded Mm -hmm. the audio. It's up on my website, michaelmeharry.com, if anybody wants to listen to it. I I think it's a really good overview of the 10th Amendment nullification, uh, the anti-commandeering doctrine, which is really what I kept swinging the conversation back towards. You know, we can talk philosophy all day, but the bottom line is you guys have the power and the responsibility to say no to federal actions you don't like, and you have every right to do it. Mm-hmm. And even the Supreme Court agrees. And I kept hammering that home. And a couple of the of the uh, legislators actually came up to me afterwards and thanked me. And, and uh, one in particular, you know, you always expect the black representatives who are almost always Democrats to be very anti nullification because there's that whole stereotype of that you know all it was for mm-hmm. was for maintaining segregation and uh, slavery, and she actually came up to me and talked to me for about ten minutes afterwards because she's really concerned about the uh, the education mandates that are being pressed down from the federal government and sure. she feels like it's damaging local control over schools we talked about that a little bit and she said something i thought was kind of cool she said she said i, I just really appreciate what you're doing she said i feel like the federal government has put us in a vice is what she said mm-hmm. uh or is putting the squeeze on not us. I don't know if she used the word vice but it's putting the squeeze on us and she said she paused and she kind of looks up and she goes but you know what my people don't really trust the state government either and then she paused again and she goes I don't blame them. <laughs> so yep. I thought that was kind of cool. I, I really, I really enjoyed talking to her. So,
1: well, you know, I, I just have to say, I'm, I'm glad you do have a talk like that. But it, it, it's it, her comments are particularly interesting because I, if if I was going to be the well actually guy, I would say, <laughs> well, did the federal government put Ohio in a vice or did Ohio jump in it?
2: Yeah. Well, and that's the, the you're, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the implication of that is absolutely correct. Ohio mm-hmm. put itself in the vice because. And it, you know, it was interesting. That the Democrat on, on the committee, the ranking Democrat, who asked me a couple of questions. His all of his questions were, "What about? Well, what about the mm-hmm. civil rights movement? And then, what about the EPA? You know, he's convinced that if it weren't for the EPA, Michigan would be dumping poison into Ohio. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, which I don't necessarily accept that premise to begin with. But you know, I finally. I said, we could talk about these issues all day. And I said, I'm sure that you can find things that you think the federal government has done well. And Mm -hmm. I said, and I'm sure that the conservatives on this committee can find things that they think the federal government has done well. But I said, you have to remember that every bit of power that you give them to fix – Civil rights and to fix the water also gives them the power to lock up immigrants in cages and lock up marijuana users in cages and, and uh, you know, engage in unconstitutional wars across the world. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a decision. Do you want to get your political agenda through or do you want to actually limit the power so that it's not used against you? And he never really answered that question. Because really, I think the answer in his head was, I want my political agenda to get through it.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, well, of
2: course. well, Because I, all of these people are sociopaths, so yes. you know, there's that.
1: Well, they're politicians, so, I mean, uh, uh, imagine my surprise, you got pushback in a room full of politicians.
2: <laughs>
0: right.
1: But it, uh, one thing I'll, I'll leave you with before we close today is is that... I've never understood the line of arguing of, well, if we don't have government for X, Y, and Z, then what about, what about, what about? Because to me, you're glossing over the opposite question, which is, well, why do we have all of X, Y, and Z bad things despite all of the government? But, that, but, but again, as you kind of already pointed out, that, that conveniently get, question gets left unanswered. And you're always on the defensive, right? Like that's how, that's their MO. That's how they operate is you, you say my principles are X. And then you spend the entire rest of the time on the defense having to defend that position. Whereas they're never have to be put in the position of, okay, you sit on that panel for 60 minutes. And I'm going to sit here and berate you with questions of everything wrong with the world despite all of your government interaction.
2: Right, yeah, you know, just take that just take education. Yeah. I mean if if we had the outcomes in education and it was all a private education system, mm. you would hear no end to this is what you get when you privatize everything, these private but government creates these outcomes, and it's, you know, you never hear, well, why. maybe we ought to think about the government not running this. It's always, oh, well, what we need is more government, because, you know, they've done such a bang-up job mm-hmm. uh, uh, so far, and, and you're absolutely right. It's that it's that turn of tables, and that's what I really tried to do with that particular rep, is turn the tables on him and say, look, you know, you're talking about all of these great things that the federal government has done for you, but here are things that you hate that the federal government is also doing, because you've given them that power. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it may not have hit him, but I think that some of the people on that panel might have at least paused for a moment. Uh, and you know, if nothing else, it's on it's on audio, so people can listen. To it. Let me yeah.
1: let, let let me end today with a really vague rhetorical question, because why why would I end with something short and sweet? Would you we're not going to sp-
2: talk about a sandwich? Is whether a hot dog is a we've sandwich? Already, we've already done that, haven't we? Probably four or five times yeah
1: exactly no I've got, no i 've got a new one for you. Hold on, we quit trying to hijack my damn show mike we've got we 've got one more real question before we get to what 's plaguing our thinkers gotcha. and, and that is would would you say that that one of the major issues is talk because our theme today has been having skin in the game, although that wasn 't our intent that 's kind of how it evolved. Would right. you say that on a state level, one of the major issues with a lot of the state legislators is they've, they've uh, what's the word I'm looking for not, not acquiesce they've, they've delegated so much authority that should have been left to the state of uh, for instance Ohio they've delegated so much of it to the federal level that now as legislators they kind of don't have skin in the game it's like well the feds decide this they're going to pay for that we're just along for the ride so all of this is just flowery talk because hey, that's not my problem
2: Yeah, I think there's absolutely a lot of truth in that uh, you know, it's just like Congress. Congress, is, Congress has abrogated a lot of its yeah. responsibility to the executive branch, and now they can just sit there and say, well, the president. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and it really, it was their responsibility in the first place. I, and just, I think you see a, a lot of that with the state governments as well.
1: I just want to tell for people at home that are listening to the podcast version and not watching my video, <laughs> Mike just flailed around in his seat like the chairman of the LP for a moment. That's what he, that's what he did right there. So, wow. So, Mike, we're going to get you out of here on this one. Is cereal a soup?
2: Is cereal a soup?
1: Now, let's define it. It's, it's in a bowl of milk cereal in a bowl of milk is that a soup yes Ooh. we're getting somewhere
2: man yep chunky things chunky things in liquid that's a soup right i mean we talk i agree. about chemicals a soup a soup of you know we we have a chemical soup so yeah if, it, if it's yeah. if it's chunky things in liquid then it's a soup now now you, you know if there's no chunky things in it then it just becomes a broth Yes, because
1: milk. milk is the broth in a cereal soup. Right. Correct.
2: I agree completely.
1: Now now you now just just remind me, you did say that a hot dog is a sandwich, right?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay, see this is why Mike gets to come on the show more than anybody else because he has the right answers to the questions that are plaguing our greatest. That's thinkers. right. It's great, minds. Yeah, that's
2: that's, that's the point. I, I, I am wise. You know, you don't get these gray hairs doing nothing. I just
1: I just want to tell you really quick, Mike. The first person I ever asked the cereal soup question was James Bovard, and he and he viciously rebuked us for even asking. He may never come back on the show. It was not. It was not pleasant. <laughs> He 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 was not buying it for a second.
2: Huh?
1: Yeah. So that's why no. he's not here, and you are. That's exactly. Well, that's
2: a shame because I really like, I I mean, like he's, Bovard. I like Bovard too on a
1: lot of stuff. I, well, you know, he 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 was at least willing to leave the door open to discuss hot dogs, but he was not having soup, my friend.
2: Well, you know, and that just goes to show that you know if you don't have these higher ideals nailed mm. down yeah where are you really you know I mean, he might you might really? have you might have great ideas about the tsa and limiting mm-hmm. government and those kind of things but i mean the bigger things i don't know yeah i'm disappointed <laughs> the I'm bigger
1: th- the bigger things
2: <laughs> the bigger <laughs>
1: things mike thank you so much for making another appearance on the show we are happy to have you as always quick before you go tell everybody all your favorite links for yourself and for the 10th amendment center
2: tenthamendmentcenter.com com all spelled out. Go there mm-hmm. first. Okay. Become a member. Yes. You can do it for as little as 2 bucks a month. Alan Mosley is a member of the 10th I am. Amendment Center. He has That's his 10th true. card. I do. Uh, your your generous donations will help us continue to do good political strategy mm-hmm. where we're actually pushing back against government power and overreach. Um, so go there first. Then you can visit my website, michaelmeharry.com, where you'll find my podcast, Thoughts from Meharry Head, uh, as well as uh, other articles – and uh, things like the audio from my talk in Columbus. I also recently did a, uh, a one-hour presentation on the Electoral College, which I just posted yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a hot topic in the news yes. right now since we have a bunch of lefties that want to uh, go to the national vote because they think it's going to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go there, Uh I'm on Twitter, maharry 10th thats 10th Uh, i'm on the facebook you can just search for me there and if you are a christian or even if you're not a christian and you just want to think about uh christian theology and political philosophy you can visit godarchy.org and uh, i have a podcast over there as well where we try to uh pry away this whole gross marriage between the church and the 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 state so i think that's all of my things oh sportsballpodcast.com the most important one because yeah. really who wants to talk about politics all the time you really no. want your NCAA preview which you're not going to find over at sportsballpodcast.com <laughs> the but it's going to be there yeah but yet.
1: it 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 does exist i can vouch for that i know yes, it ha- the
2: podcast it, no, is there yeah in fact if you go to itunes stitcher or google play you can subscribe to the uh, podcast and you won't depend on mike maharry to post it on <laughs> sportsballpodcast.com well The
1: last thing we want to do is depend on Mike Meharry. So, Mike, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show again. Guys, we will be right back after this break.
2: My name is Mike Meharry, and I'm the host of the Godarchy podcast. And this show came about because, quite frankly, I got tired of the warmongering in the Christian community. And the show has now evolved into more of an exploration of the intersection between Christianity and libertarian political philosophy. So we talk about things like non-aggression, theology, economics, and how all of those things work together. Hey, did you see the uh, playoff games last weekend? Oh, you're into the sports ball game! Sportsball
0: with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. Sportsballpodcast.com.
2: Sportsball is not a libertarian sports show. It's a sports show done by a couple of libertarians. For when you need your bread and circuses. Your
1: ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not. But it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley. Email us at tgsalanmosley at gmail.com. Guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, You know, can you imagine yourself uh, speaking in front of like the Tennessee State Assembly or something to talk to them about all the reasons why they're wrong? No. (laughs) No. Because I know that that's that's not technically what... Mike did in Ohio like he wasn't going there to be antagonistic he was Mm -hmm. going there to just be informative yeah but I feel like if it were me like my whole speech would be you know if I have if it takes me five minutes to make a point Mm -hmm. and and I get to talk for 25 minutes then it'd be like here's the top five reasons why you're all wrong number one and then i would just you know
0: oh you could get through it but you'd have to go through a packet of pens just to get it happen Mm -hmm. you know the extra absorbent kind Mm -hmm. yeah that's what it would take. A little confidence, you know. We should have
1: them sponsor the show. Yeah. I think it depends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially if you're standing up in front of the Tennessee Assembly telling them what they should do.
1: You know what I saw? Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember where I said this. Um, I saw some study recently because they're, 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 they're getting in all this genetic engineering stuff. And I saw the study where they were saying, like, they're trying to figure out how to detect what babies are going to be autistic. And so you can just, like abort those mm-hmm. babies yeah. or whatever. And I saw the funniest freaking comment underneath that. It was, oh, man, we won't have any more libertarians. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, of course, me being me, I got on the show account. I put on there, ain't that the damn truth. So <sighs> what are we going to do when there's no more libertarians? Because autism has been cured.
0: I'm autistic.
1: <laughs> it might well, be
0: artistic, but I don't
1: know. I mean, I don't know. I can
0: draw a really bang up stick figure.
1: I can't draw. <laughs> I can't, I, I mean, I can't draw at all. Like, I mean, like, I play music. I can't, I'm not visually artistic <laughs> in any way.
0: I play music too, but I'm still not the good of an artist.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah. So, well. guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Man, I love I love the little mic thing. Now don't you I like can, you can lean back yeah, and be all like, I can, you know. I got, you know, it's guys,
0: kind of, kind of mobster, you know. Thank you, Mobstery? Yeah, it's oh, mobstery. I should do. A,
1: I should try to do like a Vito Corleone <laughs> yeah, thing. That's right. Oh, so guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode on. of the Gore. That, yeah. that sounds yeah. like Bob Dylan. Yeah, that's it what does that sounds sound. like, Bob Dylan. I'm trying to do a you're Vito still Corleone a musician
0: thing, and you coming out. What are you going to do?
1: I don't you know? Okay, I don't like Dylan.
0: I never said you did. I'm just saying, you know. No, the- I'm
1: just, I'm just making a statement. Because that's, that's, okay. that's, be, that's the most controversial thing that will have been said in this episode. I'm, I'm just telling you, I think Bob Dylan sucks. So there you go. I said it. You're entitled to your opinion. Ain't that the damn truth? Yeah. And that's okay, because that's what we're all about. I'm just saying, uh, so my, my Corleone sounds a lot like Bob Dylan. <clears throat> I'm going to have to work on that. I'm not, I don't really do voices a lot. I, there's yeah. a few voices I do really well, and it's totally unintentional. Well, you do them all, man. I, do I really, think
0: it would be a lot more exciting if you did.
1: I do a really good Ben Shapiro, which is weird because I hate Ben Shapiro, but I do a really good Shapiro voice.
0: Sometimes you can't really choose who you're good at mocking. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, anyway... (laughs) <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Standard. You can catch us on social media mm-hmm. at facebook.com slash TGS Allen Mosley. Twitter is at Allen Mosley. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any of that. You can go to our website, which is thegoldstandardpodcast.com. That's right. You can donate to us via PayPal on our website, as well as support us on Patreon, which is Patreon. Please do. Which is Patreon.com slash TGS Allen Mosley. We thank you so much.